And we get into round two with Coley and Kavanaugh today uh, after David gave us a deeper dive into the weather. And John Kavanaugh, you know, as we take a look at this thing, uh, you know, we're looking at crop conditions where Indiana's crop condition pretty closely mirrors the entire U.S. Corn at 56% good to excellent. Five-year average at 63, pretty close to what the nation is. Same on beans. Indiana soybean conditions, 57% good to excellent. Five-year average at 62%. And, you know, 64% of the U.S. corn area in drought as of Tuesday this past week, up from 57% a week earlier, severe drought coverage jumped to 27% from just 19% in the prior week. John, you and I comparing notes, and we're looking at some of the corn right around our area, and we're thinking, why that looks good. And the two storylines don't seem to match. No, they don't. They don't add up at all, uh, Rob. And I can't quite figure that out. That doesn't make sense because you've seen it. I've seen it. I've heard other uh, people talk about it. Uh, there was even on Twitter, there was a farmer out in uh, Illinois who sent in a picture. And Illinois, by the way, is in far worse shape than Indiana. They're only 33% good, excellent in Illinois. And yet the crops out there, at least in, in DeKalb County, Illinois, look lush. And that's what the farmer's report was. He says, what's been really dry here, but the corn looks slush. And yet the ratings that are coming in on the weekly reports aren't adding up for that. I don't know what that means, but one thing I can figure out, we're right on the edge. We're right on the edge. You ever seen the guy hanging over the cliff? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to pull himself up and he's just about to do it. Does he make it or not? That's yeah. where we are. We're right on the edge of going over that cliff. And within the next 10 days, we're going to know. You're on a, a conference call every week, and so you get a chance to hear from other people around different regions around the country. And here was one that I captured this week. I think it was actually an analyst, and he said, yeah, I was doing some traveling, some final thoughts on uh, my little crop tour around Kansas City and through western Iowa. He said, crop looks fantastic. That was one of the driest areas in the country here earlier. Yes, this is very confusing. And since he told me it was going to be this dry for this long, the end of June, I would not have expected the crops to look as, or at least the corn crop in particular, to look as good good as it does, given the dryness that we've had. Now, it's been a little bit on the cool side. That's helped some. You know, we haven't had, we've had some hot weather, but not too terribly much. Could it be the hybrids? Is it the fact that these hybrids are so good and so strong that the corn is just holding up better, more resilient right now? You ask the corn seed people, and they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, it's also hybrids. <laughs> you just mentioned the fact here we are at the end of June. And that brings us to the point that we wanted to discuss a bit today, and that is June 30th, we've got a big report coming out, and that is the Planted Acreage Report and Grain Stocks. Kind of a coin toss as to which one is the most important that's coming out, because you know that USDA has to make some adjustments to the grain stocks. But, you know, it's all predicated, basically, on planted acreage. Yes, this is one of the big ones. You know, we have three or four really big reports during the course of a year, and this is one of the traditionally the biggest ones. Planted acres, you know, we got our, our early intentions back at the end of March, and this is going to be an update on that. And, you know, the crop went in so early and so quickly this year, it was pretty much all planted by uh, early June, that therefore I think this report's going to be more accurate than usual. Now, what it's going to be, I don't know, but I think it's going to have a tendency to be more accurate. But one thing that I am thinking about is is that we're going to have a very low prevent planted acres number. We talked about that last week. We didn't have many problems uh, across the country. We should get one of the lowest prevent plant numbers that we've seen since they've been doing it. 
Overall, I think that could possibly lead us to a bearish report. But the stocks report, that's another. Actually, year in, year out, the, the stocks report probably is a little bit more meaningful and significant yeah. than the Planet Acres report. Sometimes we get some real shockers on that stock. <laughs> yeah, report. we do. So what do you think about the numbers that David was throwing out? Those are Allendale's estimates about what they think Planet Acreage and stocks numbers are going to be. How do you feel about the numbers that David was sharing with us there? Oh, I think they're a good estimate. I'd say that those numbers is probably being as accurate as you can reasonably get. Remember, they're trying to outguess the USDA, and that's a really hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. Now, you and I were talking about this. If the market hasn't been goofy enough, it's about ready to get really goofy. Because as we go into the 4th of July weekend, first of all, you got to know that the Friday before the 4th of July weekend, the people are going to be checking out at 11 o'clock in the morning. It's like, get me out of here. Wife is on the phone saying, when are you going to get home so that we can get the kids up to the lake, et cetera. Okay. And then we got to come back on Monday because the market opens back up on Monday and then is out again on Tuesday, which is 4th of July, just to goop things up a bunch more. And who do you think came back from the lake on Monday just to go into the office for a half a day before we went back to the lake for the 4th of July, the hot dogs and the fireworks and everything. Then we come back after the 4th of July on Wednesday, market opens back up again for a very short week. And the uh, grain sport is the following Tuesday. Wow. It's going to be crazy because we have a whole lot of meaningful information coming out. And uh, we're going to stop, start, stop, start. And uh, a lot of people are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be on vacation and not paying much attention to things. They're going to get surprised. We're going to have a really topsy-turvy market. And then, of course, the market just dropped like a hard rock on Friday because all of a sudden we're talking about increased chances of rain throughout the Midwest. Is it or isn't it? So that's going to be watched very closely. And uh, this thing is just going to be uh, one of the wildest, most volatile time periods that I've ever <laughs> seen coming up in the next uh, two weeks. Well, and a point that you made when you and I were talking about it earlier in the week, you were saying, you know, the weather has been changing so quickly, number one. Now, if you're in the office and you are a trader and you if you're managing a bunch of different issues in a portfolio and you're watching the weather carefully and you're in the office and it's the middle of the week, you can react to it. But in this particular circumstance where you're in, in the office, out of the office, in the office, out of the office, talking about volatility. Volatility and a point that you were making was this makes the weather changes during that period of time even that much more important and volatile. You know, I was going to say that we're going to see some some limit up and limit down days, and we very well may, but we're going to expand the limits, so therefore we're going to have huge limits. Uh, <laughs> so we're just going to see some some really wild swinging markets, and I have no which way to predict what's going to happen. Yeah. None of us do, yeah. because so much is dependent upon. Well, you got government reports, and we know how uh, can't depend upon those things. And then the weather, which you can depend upon even less. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have a wild ride coming up here, and it's going to be fun to see how it all shakes out. But let's, I want to point out one thing here, because we got to remember, it's been extremely dry, as we all know. It's been one of the driest uh, spring early planting seasons that we've ever seen in the beginning of the growing season. But one thing we do know is we're at the turning point. If the weather changes and we go into a normal weather pattern from here forward, we can still have a trend line yield. Yeah. And there's no question about that. It's happened before. And that's why that market on Friday dropped so hard, because if the weather did change on us and, and went into a much wetter pattern, we could still have a pretty big crop. Right. We don't have much demand out there. Rob, the corn exports were lousy again. It's gonna and, we're, and we're running 45 million bushels behind what we need to do to hit the USDA projection. 
and they just lowered their projection again for the third time this year, <laughs> and they still can't keep up with it. Export demand is, is just awful. Oh, it's pathetic. And uh, tweets of the week was, if you're looking for good news, avoid the weekly export sales report at all costs. Amen <laughs> <laughs> to that one. Here's the other side of that one, okay? Now, I'm going to quote the soybeans this time. Some analysts are beginning to say, oh, you know, soybeans, given the condition they're in now, this is too early to call for soybeans, but nevertheless, it's saying we could have soybean yield 5% below the last USDA projection. Now, that would put us down 2.6 bushels per acre. You know, given the uh, the planted acres out there and the, and the harvested acres on soybeans, you take two and a half bushels away from that, and you just took away our carryover for next year, <laughs> which is extremely bullish. So, again, it doesn't take much to get us real bullish. Well, and that was one of the conversations that was going on at the Chicago Board of Trade this week was, first of all, let's take a look at the USDA yield. The, I mean, the USDA projection was, what, 181 Point five, and all of a sudden the conversation turned to 177, and then this week even <laughs> somebody mumbled 174 uh, on, on corn. Now, uh, if you take it down to the 177, you know you're at a point where we have been several years over the last five to eight years. You know that has that's been pretty much how we ended up. So aggressive going into the first part of this year at 181.5. So is it really that much of a stretch when you get some bad weather to talk about 177? But if you do, then to your point about the soybeans, you start doing the math on the planted acreage and you're saying to yourself, whoa, well, yeah, maybe that does dictate higher prices. That's exactly right. And we started this uh, planting season by commenting that carryover stocks on corn and beans are still relatively tight enough. We have very little room for air. You don't have a, a situation well, we can have a big wipe out of the crop and still be okay. No, a small loss in the crop production is going to have very bullish implications, and that's contributing to this volatility, of course. And so that we just we just can't have many problems this year. And right now we got a big one. Okay, here we are. Time for John Kavanaugh's final word. Well, I, I tell you what, I'm going to have two final words this time, Rob. Sorry about that, but I wanted to throw something in. We've been talking about demand. And we've talked about how this past week we've had such bullish markets, which got corrected somewhat on Friday. But nobody's talked much about the fact that soybean oil prices dropped uh, sharply this week. In fact, no. we had a limit down day followed by another sharply lower day, despite the bullishness going on in soybeans, which are setting new recent highs. Why is that? Because the EPA finally came out with their renewable fuels mandates for 2024 and 2025. Ethanol came in unchanged at 15 billion gallons. But biodiesel, we got a real shocker. They increased the amount of uh, the biodiesel mandate by 6%, but the market was expecting it to be a double-digit increase. And it's been anticipating that and building it into the marketplace. And it got a shocker on the downside. And that puts soybean oil down the limit. So I, I did want to point that out. We've got demand problems out there, and there's another one. Now, my actual final word is, though, is we've been talking about dry weather and drought and everything else. I'd like to point out one little stat here. Just saw a chart, and it said that uh, during the time period of May 20 to June 20, northern Indiana and northwest Ohio was the driest ever recorded. That's 131 years. Well, I don't think you had to tell anybody that. <laughs> 
Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And coming up on July 20th, estate and succession planning for the family farm. It's going to be offered virtually. And one of our friends and supporters of Midwest Ag, Dan Gordon, is going to be presenting the four ways to lose the family farm. Mark your calendar for July 20th. This is one of the great things the Farm Bureau is doing to help support farm families here in our state. The only way possible for the Farm Bureau to do these kinds of things is with your support, and that comes through memberships. Isn't it time you become a member? Find out how. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.